GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome everyone to the Last Action Podcast. It is I Sphinx. And with me as always, LPJ. Hey buddy, how you doing there? I like your green shirt. I can see you on the video monitor here. We're recording via Hangouts. You got a nice rack of books behind you and you're got a green shirt and you look good uh, okay and hovercraft joe <laughs> what's up sphinx joe i see right. behind you you've got shot glasses on the wall you're in your apartment you also look good thanks i don't thanks, know about bud. your shirt though your camera's a little too high for me to see your shirt uh, it's not that exciting it's a plain white v-neck oh it's a v-neck mm-hmm. you got a lot of chest hair coming out no, I don't have a lot of chest here, but okay. let's move on. You still look good, though. <laughs> Does he look, do you look like Ricardo Montalban? you showing off that great chest? <laughs> no, unfortunately, I wish I was jacked like him, dude. Right? Uh, so, today, we are doing a episode uh, very special, I think, to LPJ and I. Uh, not so much to Hovercraft Joe, but we'll see. We're, we're curious <laughs> what his take is going to be on this film. We are doing Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. I'm so excited for this. Like this is when you and I got together, we were practicing episodes before the podcast ever started. Yep. This was the episode. This was the very, this was the second thing that we ever talked about together. And we just riffed. We didn't, we hadn't watched the movie in a while. We just sat and riffed and we easily filled an hour. Yeah, no, absolutely. We did. We did men in black and we had notes for that. And that was kind of our first ever attempt at trying to, figure out what we had here as a show. And then we wanted to get a little bit more practice uh, on the mic together. And yeah, we just riffed off of Star Trek II Wrath of Khan because we have both seen this movie so many times. Oh, yeah. That we knew we could just talk about it, you know, just from our heads. So so let's talk first then with Joe. Joe, when was the first time you saw this? Uh... Two weeks ago, I don't know uh, when I when I watched it for the podcast. When you when when you said we were going to watch it, I kind of thought maybe I'd seen this and maybe I'd seen parts of it, but I definitely had never sat down and watched the whole thing. I remember, and I think we briefly had this conversation, but I've definitely seen like three, four, five, and six, but I don't think I'd ever seen this. I, I, I'm familiar. I was familiar with a lot that happened in it, but I, I don't think I'd ever sat down and watched it. Yeah, and that's one of those things where where we, you know, you and I have a collective kind of history with movies and, and sci-fi and nerdy things, but this is where we diverge. Like I, yeah, I never really got into the Tolkien books. You love the Tolkien books. You never got really into star Trek and I love star Trek. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I don't have any dislike for star Trek, but I definitely am. It's not something that I've ever gotten into much at all yeah when did you get into star trek lpj do you remember i do actually uh, um my cousins were so i i have <clears throat> i have cousins who are kind of in between my age and my parents age mm-hmm. and they're more like older brothers to me 
than Cousins. So they they loved Star Trek as a kid, like they, the original series. They watched it all the time. And my dad watched it, and um, we would sit at their house, and we would watch Star Trek reruns, and we watched the movies when they were on. And they actually took me to a Star Trek convention in Dearborn in like 1980, I think it was like 85 or 86. I ended up finding a news broadcast from that convention that we were at um, just recently on YouTube. They had a local news broadcast about it. But I've been into it for, I would say, almost longer than Star Wars. Like, I watched Star Wars a lot as a kid, but I watched Star Trek, I would say, more um, kind of more often. Yeah, I'm the same way. I I didn't have anyone, though, that was also into Star Trek besides my buddy Ryan. Um, and it was like middle school that I got into it. And yeah, there was there was nobody else really in my life that it, that helped me get into it. It was just something that I casually watched on TV one night. And from there, though, I just kind of fell in love with it. And, and, and hot take, I really, I do. I like Star Trek more than I like Star Wars. It, it's been a much bigger part of my life overall. Yeah, I don't know if I like it more. I like them. We are definitely, like my family in general, is definitely more of a Star Trek house. We used to sit and watch Next Generation and Deep Space Nine and stuff. Um, mm. But I don't know that I necessarily like one more than the other. Um, yeah. I, I just, I just, they've always been just kind of in my, 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 my zeitgeist, I would say. Yeah, for this, for for me watching this for this episode, I actually I went through it. I watched the first four movies. Yeah, I ended up watching three. I didn't watch four because I had watched four less than two months ago on TV. Um, yeah, but I didn't watch the first one. And, and I did watch the first one, and I it was a lot better than I remembered. Mm-hmm. I, I I go back and forth on it because it's and we're going to talk about it when we talk about this movie. Because that the first movie, Star Trek The Motion Picture, which came out in 1979, um, was not well liked by anybody, including no. the people that were a part of it, which is almost why Wrath of Khan actually never even happened. Right. Um, because of how bad the first Star Wars or first Star Trek movie was to those people that were involved in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of, you know. I mentioned it on our, our Discord conversation. When when you take it as like just an extra long episode of the original series, yeah, I found it entertaining. Yeah, I haven't seen it in a long time. That's the one I've seen the least. Like I, I might have only seen it once or twice. Um, yeah, it, it's got a 2001 Space Odyssey feel to it. Yeah. And then just like an old episode feel to it. So it does. It's, it really it's does. very different. But And I wouldn't say I recommend it to people, but... <laughs> I, you know, I, think, I think this is definitely an awesome starting point for the movies is the second one, Wrath of Khan here. No, I agree. And, and I want to preface all of this by saying, Joe, if you have questions about anything, just ask us. Because I got a I, feeling I, you might. Uh, maybe a few. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I guess let's run through some of the numbers on this. Um, release date on this of June 4th, 1982. Uh, budget of twelve million dollars, and then I just had one gross. Like I just had like the domestic, yeah, and worldwide or whatever. It was seventy-eight million. So did well. It did very well. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, uh, eighty-seven percent. Okay. 
and an audience score of 90% on this. Yeah, that's, oh, that's really that's higher than I would have thought actually. Yeah, I, I, especially the the Rotten Tomatoes portion. Um Yeah. Just because it is such a genre film, mm-hmm. I wouldn't think it would be that high. Um and then this is uh the actually the first movie we've ever done from 1982. Oh. At least as far as I can remember. I don't have a master list. I just had to kind of scroll through and see if I remember anything when I'm looking at it. So, But I didn't see anything. So uh, top grossing movies of 1982, uh, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, uh, Tootsie, uh, and An Officer and a Gentleman. Uh, and then this movie, uh, Star Trek II, came in six for the year. Okay. So, yeah. That's big hit. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, and then, uh, <laughs> so that works we can do. I'll, I got to tell you what, guys. I, I obviously am not familiar with the Star Trek cast that much. You know, I kind of, I had a real hard time uh, figuring out, making sure that I found the ones of the cast that were still alive. Yeah. As opposed to the ones that are, are, are passed away. I think the uh, only one that's still alive. Most of them are still alive. Yeah, it's just Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly that I think have passed. No, James Doohan's dead. Um, oh, James Doohan Michelle is dead. Nichols is dead. No, she's not. Yeah. She's like 93. No, I thought she I just think, recently died. I don't oh. think she's dead. From when I was trying to look into it, it seemed like she was still alive. Like, oh, all right, uh, cool. Wikipedia didn't list like her being like normally when somebody's yeah, dead, say, they yeah. list it. All right. She's so, 87 years old. All right. Yeah. Well, there you go. I was wrong. Well, let's start with Nichelle, Nichelle Nichols then. What do you think her net worth is? I don't know. Five million. Well, I know you don't know, but that's how it works. You get. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll say I'll say eight million. Eight million on the nose. Ooh. Way to go, Sphinx! All right, cool. What about uh, Walter Koenig? Walter Koenig. 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 I don't even know how you pronounce his name. I don't. Oh, know. so when you corrected me, you weren't. <laughs> well, it's not Koenig. I know that. I think right, it's well, I think it's Walter Koenig. All right. Well, anyways, what do you think? I'll say six million. Okay. Yeah, I'll say six. Uh, eight million again. In- interesting fact about him: uh, his son uh, was boner on uh, on um, growing pains. growing pains. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> what do you guys think about uh, Christie Alley? Uh, um, I'll say like twenty-five million. Okay. Twelve. Forty million dollars. Wow! Really. Yeah, man. Uh, and then George Takei, he's doing pretty well. I'm gonna go. I'll go twenty five million for him. Okay, uh, I'm gonna say like twelve. There you go, Sphinx. You're feeling oh, it. Twelve man. million. You're feeling it. Uh, and then finally, Mr. William Shatner. Shatner's got to be doing well. I would say he's got those Tech Wars money. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say eighty million. Thirty five. One hundred million dollars. Wow. Yeah. All right. Doing, you're right. Good for Doing him. Good. Yeah. For I sure. Think he's also like in his nineties right now. Probably. Yeah. He's he's got to be pretty old. Yeah. Because DeForest Kelly was the oldest. Yeah. Of that group. And then but he's eighty nine. Eighty nine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, DeForest Kelly was the oldest. And that is bones. Bones, okay. Bones, yeah, the doctor, Dr. McCoy. Mm-hmm. Got it, got I it. I got three taglines for us. Okay. They're not 
Good. Maybe the second, <laughs> maybe the second one is okay. I don't know. But here's the first one. Prepare yourself for warp ten excitement. <laughs> <laughs> the second one looks like it's the one I actually saw on posters and whatnot. Again, I, uh, we'll we'll see what you say. At the end of the universe lies the beginning of vengeance. Okay. Not bad. The last one is way too fucking long. Beyond the darkness, beyond the human evolution, is Khan, a genetically superior tyrant, exiled to a barren planet, banished by a starship commander he is destined to destroy. Left for dead, Khan has survived. Is that a tagline <laughs> or a plot summary? <laughs> right? Isn't that just like a summary of the that's movie? Like, that's like the preamble to the movie. <laughs> I know. It's like, that's the Wikipedia entry under the plot. It's got it. IMDb's got it under a tagline, but I, <laughs> I feel the exact same way, which is crazy. All right. So maybe the first thing we talk about here is um, maybe the origin of well, do the I, movie. Do, do I need a director and all that stuff? Oh, well, we could do that. <laughs> so, well, I think it actually, I think it kind of all ties in together. Yeah, it does. No, you're not wrong. Because I ended up, so I've got... All right, I guess I could, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of get it rolling and, and feel free to step in whatever you want. So we, we briefly mentioned how the first movie was, was not very well done. And so they did have ideas to do a second movie. And Gene Roddenberry, who is the creator of Star Trek, um, had this bizarre idea for the second movie. And based on how poorly the first movie went and based on his crazy ass idea he had for this movie, he actually was kind of kicked out of the filmmaking process for this movie. He wasn't even given the title executive producer. He was given some other special term. I can't think of creative consultant or something. Yeah, it was something like that. So he was like completely removed from it uh, altogether. And so there was an original plot, his original plot, was called the War of the Generations. And it was supposed to be... Oh, no, actually, I take it back. His original plot was actually they were going to go back in time, the Enterprise, because the Klingons went back in time and corrupted the timeline. And the Klingons were trying to save JFK from his assassination. Yeah, that seems terrible. That seems terrible, because that would then mean that the Enterprise is going to be there to make sure he dies? <laughs> Which, good lord, that sounds like a horrible idea for a movie. Yikes. So then they brought in um, quite a few people for the story, and they had an idea for a plot in 1980 called The War of the Generations, which was supposed to be Kirk investigating a rebellion on some distant planet that was going to be led by his son, and then Khan was behind it all. And they're like, no, that's not a good idea either. So then they brought someone else in. And that was going to be called the Omega Syndrome, which the Omega was supposed to be this all-powerful weapon that destroys everything, which we do know kind of turns into what becomes Genesis in the movie. Right. Yeah. And then when they were trying to get the cast back on, Shatner was, from what I read, Shatner was the only one that was, like, ready to go. Like, I want to do another movie. The rest of the crew was not really feeling it. No, none of them them wanted to do it. Um, They had all decided they were done with it. 
Yeah, I feel like that original movie must have just made them feel so rotten that they just felt like they just did not want to be a part of it. And Leonard Nimoy was hugely against it. And the only way that they convinced him to do it was if he was allowed to die in the movie. Yeah. So they said, like, all right, we'll kill your character. And he's like, all right, I'm in. And they originally wrote it that he was going to die in the beginning of the movie. So, like, he wasn't even going to be in the film. Yeah. He was going to die in the very beginning. Almost, not off screen, but as close to off screen as you can do it. Yep. And so, at that point, that comes in the director. So, the director is Nicholas Meyer. And this is his first directing debut because he was previously a writer. So, they brought him in. He had no experience with Star Trek at all. But he was kind of there to kind of sync everything together. So he brought in the elements of the Omega Syndrome, which became the Genesis idea. He decided, you know what, let's put Spock's death at the end. That'll be a little bit more dramatic. And then they also had a story by Harv Bennett that he was watching old episodes. And one of the most famous episodes from the original series is called Space Seed which is actually the episode that has Khan in it. So I I think it's brilliant that you bring in a storyline from the TV show from the 1960s to then put back into this movie. And because obviously it's going to make people happy that used to watch the show, but then Hovercraft Joe, I think you could probably agree knowing um, Khan's background or not knowing Khan's background doesn't really take away from the film, does it? Uh, <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> I, I mean, like I can say that I thought it was kind of weird. I mean, I think at some point in my notes, I wrote down like, wait, is this movie a sequel to an episode of the TV show? Like, I felt like that was kind of a weird concept for me to grasp. You know, like I could see if you were a fan of the show and it would mean something, you know, like, oh, I get that. But like, to me, it was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, like, I don't know. I thought it was a little weird. I don't know if it negatively or positively affected the movie for me, but I definitely like was very, that was definitely something I was going to ask you guys and be like, wait, this is a, like, I looked it up afterwards, but I'm like, wait, how, why, why am I supposed to know who this is? You know, like, I, I don't know. Right. I thought it was a little weird. Well, and that's what's kind of what they, what they did to correct. So when they did um, the reboots and they did, uh, what is it? Into darkness. Is that the second one? Yeah. Yes. They basically took the episode, the the plot of the episode, and wove it into the movie itself, mm-hmm. and that's essentially what you're watching in that movie is that episode. You're watching stars. You're watching a uh, space seed. Space seed. That's that's essentially right. what Into Darkness is. So, okay. Um, I think you're right, though. I I think because because I remember when I first watched it not really knowing who Khan was and not really understanding that he was a villain that they had previously encountered. And then it was explained to me later on by somebody that, you know, yeah, he was part of, he was in the original series and there's a whole plot line with him. So I can certainly understand where it would be confusing or not necessarily confusing, but distracting, not knowing what his background is. Yeah. And I was in the same space. Like when I, first saw the movie i had never seen the episode before um and at the time that didn't really take away for the movie for me but it probably left me wondering certain things that i maybe after watching the movie so many times i eventually picked it all up 
but I could see how maybe just watching it once, like Hovercraft Joe did, maybe still being like, I'm confused really what this is all about here. Because essentially, yeah, I, I mean, and I, no, I, I was—I should just clarify. It didn't. It wasn't like the the turning point, or like I was like, I'm done with this because I, I just—I was just like, oh, I was like, I feel like there's something I'm supposed to know here that I don't. And then I, you know, paused the movie and like looked it up, and then I saw I was like, oh, I was like, this is the, okay. Then I kind of put it together, but like I said, it was just you know, not 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 something I had a background in, so it was like I don't know, it was a little confusing, but not necessarily negative. Yeah, and, and not to go into the episode a ton, but, you know, in the episode, Khan is, he's from what in the Star Trek timeline, the 1990s was a, a war of eugenics that happened. And so he pretty much was like a superhuman and he had people that he developed that were also like superhumans. And they eventually left Earth because Earth wasn't good enough. And then Kirk and the Enterprise and this was, actually wakes them up. And this was after they had conquered a third of the planet. Yeah. And so they get exiled, and then in the Star and then in the Star War Star Trek universe, um, they run into the ship, and so Kirk and the Enterprise wakes them up, and then Khan tries to take over the Enterprise in the episode to pretty much continue what he was working on. And so the Enterprise stops Khan. And they maroon him on City Alpha 5, I believe it is, um, which is kind of where the movie takes off is and where we find Khan. No, 6. Is him. Well, they find him on – yeah, they find him – well, remember, 5 ended up – No, they, they marooned him on City Alpha 6, 5 gets destroyed, and then 6 moved into its place. That's right. That's what it was. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. So that's kind of the, the setup for, for how we get into this. And then even this movie, too – becomes a story arc for the next three movies. So after Wrath of Khan, it immediately goes into Star Trek Three: Search for Spock, and then that one goes immediately into Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Yeah, so it's they're kind of essentially neat that all three movies. They're just one right after another. They're essentially all one big movie. Yeah. Um. It never really, never really stops at any point. Nope. Not at all. And that's what I found kind of that's what I found kind of distracting about the third movie is when Kirstie Alley got recast. Like it never Yeah. It was super distracting for me. Yeah, it was. And I you know, I just watched The Voyage Home, the fourth one. She's in it, the the person that replaced yeah. her is in it for like two seconds and then she's completely done. Mm-hmm. And that's it. So which is which is very weird. She was supposed to be in that character was supposed to be in the sixth movie as well. It's what Kim Cattrall's character was, uh, yeah. but they ended up rewriting it to be a different character. Yeah. So. <laughs> Super nerdy. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like the sixth movie. I'm like, I guess I saw it. Maybe. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no. So, I mean, that's kind of, I'm trying to think what else we want to bring up before we start to get into the movie. I mean, we have the cast. I guess we should probably talk about the cast. Yeah. Um. So obviously, we have William Shatner in his most famous role. He's Admiral at this time, James T. Kirk. Uh, we've got Ricardo Montalban, who is Khan, our villain. Uh, we've got Leonard Nimoy, who is Spock, which one other thing I want to bring up about Leonard Nimoy is, um, you know, he hated, he didn't want to be a part of the movie, and then he found out he was going to die, so he was like, okay, I want to do it. He ended up enjoying doing the movie so much that he actually didn't want to die anymore. 
and they were trying to think of a way to actually keep him alive. And it's actually why the last five minutes of the film even exist is because this movie created a resurgence, not only for Star Trek, but for the people that were in the movie Star Trek. Like they had so much fun doing it. They wanted to keep doing it. Yep. And what's even crazy about that is then Leonard Nimoy directs the next two movies. Yeah. And then Shatner directed five. Yeah. And I guess, too, like Leonard Nimoy was so done with playing Spock. He actually wrote a book uh, in like 1980 called I Am Not Spock because his acting career just hit a wall because that's how he was always associated with was that character. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of years later, he writes another book called I Am Spock. <laughs> so it's just kind of crazy how, how much he's changed in his opinion of his own character. Which it's got to be tough, you know? Like, that is what Leonard Nimoy is, you know? He's Spock. Yeah, I'm sure he grew so I'm sure he got comfortable career. with it at some point. Yeah. All right, so let's... Uh, uh, did you want to do the music? Yeah. So James Duhon is, is Montgomery Scott, oh, he's right, an engineer. Sorry. We got George Takai, who is uh, Sulu. We've got Walter Koning, or, or Koenig, who is Chekhov. Yeah. Michelle Nichols is Uhura. Uh, and this is our, that's the rest of our crew. Uh, we've got B.B. Bish, who's Carol Marcus. We've got Merritt Buttrick, that's David Marcus. Paul Winfield is Clark Terrell, which where else is there Paul Winfield? What do you mean? Where, what other things has he been in? Yeah, what else have I seen him in? I mean, he's been in he's been in a lot of different things. I'm trying has to think. Per- I'm trying to so think what uh, you would know him from. Um, he's in Terminator. He's the uh, he's the the lieutenant in the Terminator, the police officer. Oh, that's probably exactly where I was thinking of him, which would have been just right right after this movie. Yeah, eighty four. Yeah, and then we got Christy Alley, who is Savick, who is. Um, Another Vulcan. Uh, yeah, another Vulcan that's in training. Yep. So that's kind of our crew that we have there. And then you wanted to play the, the main theme from uh, James Horner. Yeah, so James Horner, who is, this is very early in his career. I think he was only 28 years old or so. Uh, he's got the, the main theme to this. And, and I'm going to personally say, I, I think it's the music of Star Trek. That is one reason why I have always been so attached to the franchise because the, the music is always phenomenal in every movie and every TV show. It's always so well done. Yeah, no, I agree. I absolutely agree. The music's great. Um, and it's always good in the movies specifically. Um, Joe, I, I know you'll recognize him uh, from lots of movies that he's done like commando and uh, oh, our, our boy, James Horner. Yeah. James I know James Horner, Horner. The Rocketeer. Yeah. yeah dude, dude, time. He, he does everything. Yep. He's like, yeah, he's he's been all over this podcast. Yeah. I was surprised. I didn't realize that he did the music for this. So it was, yeah, this uh, was really his his big start was this movie. And this is the uh, this is the new kind of theme for Star Trek for Star Trek. Kim. Here we go.
so good. And always, every time I look back up James Horner, I always forget that he died in a plane crash. He was only like 60 years old. Did he? I forgot about that. Yeah, 2015. Oh, that's right. It was recent. Yep. All right, way to bring us down. Nice job. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> all right. Um, are we good to... Let's see the plot. Yeah, all right. So we we start the film um, with one of the most famous scenarios in Star Trek history, which is a simulation of what is known as the Kobayashi Maru. And, you know, when you first watch it, you know, you don't know that it's a simulation. Um, it just looks like it is Savik, who is Christy Alley, uh, kind of taking over as a captain's role. And they're pretty much playing out this no-win scenario uh, where she has to kind of get the rescue some people, or rescue a ship that's in the neutral zone against the Klingons, who are at the time enemies with the Federation, which is, you know, what Star Trek is, is a part of, the environment. And they end up all dying. And you, so you have this scene where, you know, all these beloved characters, like James Duhon and, and Dr. McCoy and Leonard Nimoy and Spock, they all die. And then it just kind of cuts off with the lights. And then you see Captain Kirk, you know, showing that this was, you know, fake. Just this training exercise. Yeah, training exercise. And so um, I also read, actually, that this was Nick Meyer's way to still play off that Spock, quote unquote, died in the beginning of the movie. Yep. So I found that kind of fun that that's what happened mm-hmm. there. And so we just kind of get a little bit of a conversation that Spock is actually a captain now of the Enterprise. He's training all of these cadets to get ready. Um, well, to is, be a he part the, of the is he the captain of the Enterprise or is he just a captain? I guess it doesn't really say because I thought he was, I thought he was the captain of the Enterprise. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know if it actually says what he's captain of. Yeah, no, that's fair because I wasn't sure if if they had. Then why did they take, Why did they take the Enterprise out if he wasn't captain of it? Oh, okay, because that's right. They don't decommission it until later. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's all good. And so, you know, it, we have just some conversations of, of old age, which is kind of a theme here. You know, Kirk is an admiral. He is not out there exploring galaxies and dealing with stuff. It's his birthday. He gets a gift from Dr. McCoy, some glasses, some reading glasses, and all of that is kind of going on. And, you know, we'll, we'll mention it now. The Kobayashi Maru also gets referenced. Um, actually, I think it, if I remember right, in Star Trek Into Darkness, Kirk actually does the Kobayashi Maru, doesn't he? LPJ? Is, is it Into Darkness or is it the first one? Or is it the first one? It might be the first one. It's the first, it's one. The first it's the one, one, yeah. And you basically, you okay. see him rig it and cheat. Yeah. So the idea, again, it's supposed to be a no-win scenario to, to train captains or people in leadership how to deal with it if something like this is ever going to happen. And Kirk is always famously said as being the only one that beat it. And he beat it because, yeah, he rigged it. He cheated the programming so that he could win. So, And that gets brought up later in the film, but I figure we just bring it up now. Um, we then get kind of zoomed in to City Alpha 6, which is this star base where this Genesis experiment is going on, which we can probably talk about Genesis right now, too. Um, even though it takes maybe, what, 40, 45 minutes into the movie till we figure out what Genesis actually is? Yeah, and you know, and that's my kind of complaint about the beginning of the movie is 
it's a lot of exposition in the in the beginning and mm-hmm. a lot of Kirk being sad about being old and nothing yeah. really happens. Um <laughs> it's kind of it's a little slow in the beginning. That's kind of my only big gripe of this film. Yeah, no, I I definitely do agree. It takes a while to get the film going cuz even even the scenes with Khan being brought back up are really slow till we figure out even what he's behind, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and essentially, he's not even really behind anything. He just wants to get off that damn planet. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially what it is. And he finally finds a way to do it. Um, so the whole idea of Genesis is it's this terraforming uh, device that's going to be used on planets to uh, basically... it kind of kills and strips whatever's already there and reforms a whole new uh, ecosystem uh, across the entire planet and completely terraforms dead planets into something habitable. Um, And so Chekhov and his commander, who I can't think of. What's Captain Terrell. Terrell are out scouting different locations of dead planets and dead planets. celestial bodies for the Genesis team so that they can have a place to actually test the device. And they come across city alpha five, which I think is city alpha five, which is supposed Mm -hmm. to be a dead planet. They see that there's some kind of life form on there and they have to go and check it out to verify that it's not just a fluke and not a, not a, not a blip on their system an error. It's a check off. And this is what I never really understood. Why would you send the captain and the first mate Onto the planet. <laughs> well, that's always... Yeah, I guess... You know, the Star Trek universe always has these kind of issues where the leadership should never really go down to the, the, you know, the landing party. But I would agree, in this particular case, it doesn't seem like you would send the leadership officers down there. You'd be sending scientists down there to see what's going on. Or just security <laughs> people. Yeah. Like, it's just the two of them. You, The two most important people on the ship they send them down to this planet to investigate something that they have no idea what it could possibly be. Yep. And so they find this cargo bay and they're kind of checking it out and they're like, where in the hell did this come from? You know, they're assuming that this was marooned or left here and then check off encounters. looks like a belt. Yeah. He sees a belt and it's got the inscription of the name of the ship on there, the crew. It says botany Bay. And then he yep. realizes that, that's Khan's ship, which is yeah. weird because in the show, Chekhov wasn't on the show at that point. No. <laughs> so kind of the theory is that they, they've kind of retconned it to say that Chekhov was on the ship, but he was just working security and that um, he had prevented Khan from doing something on the ship or like slowed him down in some way. Uh, and that's what got him the commendation to join the, the actual bridge crew. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how they kind of retconned it later on. Yeah, because Khan like immediately knows who he is. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, for for those Trekkie nerds, you know, they would have known. Wait, he wasn't around, you know, for that episode, and that was yeah, that was the way to kind of justify to to keep those crazy fans. Yeah, it, it was like it was yeah. crazy too. It was like two episodes later he shows up or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so Essentially, you know, Khan tells us what happened. He said the star exploded. It shifted the orbits of the planet. So, yeah, this is actually City Alpha 5. Six. and Six. I keep saying it wrong. And um, he wants to know why they're there. And they're not saying anything. And then he tortures them with that. Um, 
crazy that, earworm. That, yeah, yeah, that earworm, but still creeps me out. Man, that was that always creeped me out when I saw this movie. Like, and I would, yeah. I, for whatever reason, I would still go back and watch the movie. But that earworm, and you know what, the close up that they do later on of the giant like ear, fake ear, <laughs> yeah. it's not very good. No, no, it's not. It looked bad. <laughs> and not like bad in a good way. Hey, it's 1982, all right? This isn't Spawn in 1997, okay? <laughs> oh, let's not yeah. bring that up again. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they kind of get tortured, uh, and then it jumps back to the Enterprise, which they're about to do a training voyage. Hey, can I, can I, can I, sorry, interrupt, can I ask you no, guys a question? Do. Yeah. Because uh, this is not, this is not an important question, I should preface that, but, like, I'm just curious, because I wrote a note, and I can't remember why I wrote it, so I'm just going to read it, and maybe it'll make sense to you guys. But I wrote a note that said, did Scotty have an STD question mark? You know why I wrote that? <laughs> oh, was it about an issue that he had had? They were talking about the inspection. It's probably when he was in the inspection. He was talking to, I think he was talking to Bones about something, and Bones was like, he says that Bones like cleared it up for him or something. Well, I don't know. Do you know weird. what that's about? Yes, I read that today that like he right before they started filming, he had like a, a heart attack or a yeah. stroke or something. He had a heart attack. Yep. God, he did? Yeah, right before the filming of this, he had a heart attack. I didn't see that. Yeah, and um, and he recovered just in time to to be able to film the film the movie, uh, and um, that's a reference to him having a heart attack. Yeah, it was a winking reference to that. But like when I before I knew that, it just seemed like they were like, oh, he had like <laughs> it seemed like I don't know that they were alluding that he had like gonorrhea or something. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I, I'm just going to throw this in here now because I don't know when else to throw it in. But, like, the Starfleet uniforms that they wear in this movie, they have, like, the most uncomfortable things you could possibly wear ever. It's, like, a big bulky jacket and, like, a like a turtleneck. And, like, I just... Yeah. I, it's well, only these movies. It's only the second movie through the sixth movie that they wear these uniforms. Nick Meyer, the director, actually hated the original uniforms from the TV show and from the first movie. And so apparently this was the the best alternate. I, I think that, I think they look I think they look horrible. I think they look bulky and there's too much going on and I did not like the look of those uniforms. Yeah, they're definitely but, weird. I mean, I always just, laugh at the flood pants too. Yeah, well, those all the uniforms are designed after like naval outfits. Yeah. So and then I was. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I was really bummed later on, too, when they have on, like, the winter jackets, and I thought originally that the jackets looked cool, but then I got a closer look at them, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> those jackets are not cool, because they were, like, really, like, boxy, and they had, like, pockets all over them, and I'm like, oh, so, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all what good. Did, I, what, did it's they, what, did they, what did they wear in the first movie? The first movie doesn't movie. have, the first movie has weird uniforms, too. They're, like, unitards. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? They're like they're like one piece jumpsuits. So they're not like the ones from the original series. No, they don't really they go have back to that style. Colors. They're kind of yeah. like a yellowish blue. But yeah. But they don't even. But in these movies, in these six movies, they don't ever go back to the, like the the next generation style uniforms or anything like that. No. All right. Sorry. Does my little tirade on uh, uniforms? You know. No, you're good. Sorry, I, I do have a question. Um. In Generations, what kind of uniform is he wearing in that? He's wearing this one. Is he? Okay. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen Generations, and I remember, because I remember the stupid turtleneck part of it. Okay. <laughs> wow, Hovercraft Joe, really anti-turtleneck. Good to know. I d- Who, are turtlenecks popular? 
<laughs> anymore. Uh, no, they're not. Maybe they were cool in 1982. Maybe. Okay, sorry. So they go there. They're gonna. It's gonna go on a like a. Fun yeah, voyage. so we're gonna do a training voyage. Fun so. voyage. I couldn't think of the word training, so I said <laughs> fun. Fun. <laughs> fun. They're going on a fun voyage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Okay, you please take back over. And um, it's pretty much the the main crew, and then it's just all the trainees, and there's really nothing else, and they're not equipped really to do anything. Um, and so they start kind of going off on their mission. I'm sorry. Can I ask one more thing? Yeah. yeah. And it's related to uniforms because like, <laughs> because like the, everyone had these fancy uniforms and then there's guys that just wear like straight up spacesuits. Oh, that, that's, like, the engineer, think, that's the engineering crew. Like, but I didn't even think that was the case. Like from my knowledge, like if they always just wore spacesuits. No, I don't know. This is actually the only movie where they're wearing those outfits. Yeah. I don't know if it's because they're trainees and maybe it's like a protective gear. I don't know. Okay. I was just confused because I was like, I was like, why are some dudes wearing just like straight up spacesuits in this movie? It was, it was weird. Anyways, okay. Last uniform question. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Um, and so we have a little bit of a conversation between, and I just want to bring this up because it gets brought up back at the very end. There's a little bit of a conversation between Spock and Kirk and you know, they find out that there's some sort of incident that has happened with uh, the base where uh, Genesis is at. And so they're being sent to actually go from a training mission to now a real mission to try and find out what's going on. It's a, it's and, a research satellite. Yeah. And so, you know, Kirk is going to have to take over command. And that means he's going to have to tell Spock, you know, I'm going to have to remove you as captain. I'm going to have to take over and do this. And Spock's like, hey, I don't have an ego to prove. It all makes sense. And he essentially talks about, you know, the most, I would say probably the most famous quote besides yelling, come on, is, you know, he says the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And you have and always will be my friend. Which... We'll see that again happen at the end. So they have this whole conversation. Kirk's got to take over. You know, what ends up happening is Khan gets onto the ship, which was the Reliant that Chekhov and Captain Terrell were in charge of. They go to the Genesis base and they kill everybody. Oh, you mean regular one? Regular one. Regular one. So what, what happened to... The Excelsior's, um, like, crew. Did he just kill them all? I mean, the Reliant crew? The Reliant crew, yeah. He marooned them. Marooned. The, oh, he marooned they were... them. That's right. On the, oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, he left the crew back on City Alpha 6 or 5. I still can't remember which one. And then he goes, yeah, to regular one, kills all the officers uh, or all the scientists. He and tortures then, them. Yeah, he tortures them to find out where Genesis is or what Genesis even is. And then that's where Dr. Marcus and her son, they escape to the planet that is there with Genesis. But it was under... What happens is that Chekhov ends up sending a message to Regular One that they were coming and that this was the planet they should pick for the Genesis project, but that they're going to take it over. So then there's this conversation of, well, we're scientists. We don't want to give you our Genesis project because it could be used as a weapon. 
um, because not only can you use the, this Genesis, you know, item to create, but if you have an already populated inhabited planet, you will then destroy the entire planet to create the new. And so that's why Khan ultimately wants it. And so Chekhov, because of the weird worm thing in his ear, is pretty much being controlled by Khan and says, hey, we're going to take the weapon, which is when Dr. Marcus then reaches out to Kirk because Chekhov says that it's Kirk's orders to take Genesis from the regular one station. And so that's why Kirk is going to regular one with the Enterprise. Yeah, and it's all he just and, and Khan just wants revenge, kind of wants Kirk to show up. Um, yeah. And that. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Joe. Because I'm going to say that's exactly kind of where this movie then takes its turn. Well, I was going to say, I did, I did like. It's a thing of revenge. I did like that line. I think it's the one coming up, and it's, you know, one of those lines I think people remember from this. But, like, when basically I think it's one of his crews, like, hey, you know, we got this ship. We got this. Why don't we just leave? Who cares about Kirk? And then he says that he, he tasks me. He tasks me, and I shall have him. I like that. Can, can we say real quick, like, Ricardo Monoban does an amazing job in this movie. He's great. He's really good. I mean, sometimes he's chewing scenery, but yeah. he's but why doing he, it well. But why does he wear only one glove? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, did okay. you know this is not necessarily a pop quiz, but uh, most of his crew... Uh, were Chippendale you know, dancers. Chippendale dancers. <laughs> I saw that. <laughs> I did see that too. That's awesome. But it's a good point. You know, as the one crewman says to him, it's like, we've, we've got the ship. We've left the planet. Let's just get the hell out of here. But no, Khan is out for revenge, which kind of to bring that real quick. Uh, did anyone catch what the name of the movie was supposed to be called? Originally? Uh, no. It was going to be called The Vengeance of Khan, but they said that it was too close to Revenge of the Jedi. Oh, that's right. Which was then actually got changed as well to Return of the Jedi. Yep. Because they're only, what, a couple months apart, I believe. Yeah, they were pretty close. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, About a year off. Yeah. I was like, Jedi was 83, but... Okay, so they get to the Enterprise gets to the base and everything's silent. No one's responding. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Reliant shows up and they're also giving them the silent treatment. And, you know, Kirk can't really make what's going on here. And then just completely out of nowhere, you know, we see that the USS Reliant attacks the Enterprise and just like nails it good, like knows exactly where to hit it. And and it kind of becomes, you know, Nicholas Meyer, because he didn't have the experience of Star Trek, he said that he really wanted to make this. And, and LPJ, you kind of brought this up, too, about the attire. He wanted it to almost look like a naval combat. And it did. I, like this movie reminded me a lot of Hunt for Red October. Yeah. And so that's kind of it's it's these two spaceships that are just fighting back and forth with each with each other with. You know, 23rd century weapons of phasers and torpedoes and all of that. And the Enterprise just gets wrecked. Yeah, and that and, was that was shocking to see because it's not anything that had been seen before. Like seeing the, the Enterprise get destroyed is craziness. Yeah. And, and Khan also comes up. I think it's the first time we ever hear the the Klingon proverb that revenge is a dish best served cold. Yeah, I didn't realize that was a Klingon thing. 
Oh yeah. It's it's funny to me that you're like, oh, I can't. The I feel like I thought that was like the trope of the whole series that the Enterprise is always getting destroyed. Well, that's what it, that's what it becomes. Okay. But this was the first time that it actually happened. Uh, but yeah, no. Gotcha. After this, yeah, it gets destroyed constantly. Same thing with like <laughs> Next Generation. Next Generation, they destroy three ships in four movies or something like that. <laughs> yeah, the Enterprise is never destroyed once up to this point. Even with all the TV show episodes and even the first movie, but yeah, after this one, it just yeah, the Enterprise just becomes a target to get <laughs> over, over and over again. And so, you know, another thing that I saw, I didn't really notice it until I actually read it. In this entire movie, Kirk and Khan actually never meet face to face. No, they don't. At no point do they meet face to face. No. And, and, and realistically, they would have never even recorded their scenes together. They didn't. I, that was the other thing I found out is 65% of the movie was using the same set. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So every time, you know, because they actually because Kirk said or Kirk <laughs> Shatner said he actually never acted any parts with Monobon. And so uh, all the scenes with the Enterprise they did. And then they changed a little bit of the setting, and then they did it to look like the uh, the Reliant, and then they brought that crew in to do those scenes. So Monoban actually said that when he had to say all of his lines, the person that was reading the lines to him was just some script girl. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of impressive, that, right? Like yeah, he's, no, he's really bringing good. out that emotion, and it's just like a chick talking to him, and he's able to pull out that performance. So. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, 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 his chest is real, by the way. Not a prosthetic <laughs> chest. chest. That was real. all Ricardo Montalban. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, they're, they're talking about surrender, um, but Khan wants the, the project details to the Genesis project. And so this is where, you know, the idea of the Kobayashi Maru kind of comes in. You know, this seems like a no-win situation, but Kirk is going to find his way out of it. And he does. He ends up tricking Khan, delays sending the plans to Khan. And apparently there's like a code that every ship has. And they find the code to the Reliant, which drops their shields. And then they shoot the crap out of the Reliant. The Reliant has to escape, which then leads Kirk to get down. He goes down with Savik and Koi. Yeah, Bones. And they go down to the space station, a regular one, to figure out what exactly has happened. That's where they find the scientists, like, brutally tortured. Also, there's, um, like, a, just randomly a rat. How did a rat show up on a space station? It's a great question. Maybe it was a <laughs> test rat? Okay, that's fair. That's kind of the <laughs> that's the headcanon that I made. That was like, well, maybe it was something that they were testing on and they got free, so... But no one else is there. So then they check the transporter, and the transporter says that they that something beamed into the center of the planet. So they're like, what the hell? Like, how do you beam into the center of the planet when that person be dead? But then Kirk remembers that one of the phases of Genesis is to build a cave. And, yeah, and, do like and a quick so that's exactly where they go. Yeah, so that's exactly where they go. So they take the risk. They're like, well, we'll either be dead or we'll end up in this cave, and they end up in the cave, and that's where they find... Dr. Marcus and her son, um, along with Chekhov. Oh, no, they find they Chekhov, find Chekhov and, and Terrell, Terrell at the space station. Yeah, and they take him down yeah. with them. Um, and then that's when 
uh, you find out that uh, David is Kirk's son. Yeah. And um, and then from there, you get Chekhov and Terrell who turn on Kirk because they're still being controlled by uh, Khan and they give Khan the coordinates for Genesis and he beams it up to the Reliant. You know, it's funny. I couldn't remember that other captain's name. So in all my notes, it just says Chekhov and other dude. <laughs> I have other dude written like five times in my notes. Yeah. Did Terrell's not a recurring character from anything else, is he? No, he kills himself. No, 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 no. I mean, from before this, like he wasn't like a, obviously it would have been played by, by, um, Oh, someone else by Winfield, but Paul Winfield, but he's not from the original series at all. Is he not to my knowledge? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, and so this is where we get the, the super classic scene where, where Khan and Kirk are just yelling at each other and, you know, Khan comes to realization Right. I've got Genesis. It's seeming to be more difficult to kill you, Kirk. So I'm going to do exactly what you did to me. And I'm going to strand you on this uninhabitable planet to be to die. And that's where Khan yells or that's where Kirk yells. Come! And it echoes throughout the universe. <laughs> throughout the universe. Yes. Through a vacuum. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. It is very crazy. But that's what happens. Yep. So then in the meantime, uh, the Enterprise is repairing itself. But again, Khan has been listening in on all of these conversations that are going on. And so Spock exaggerates, you know, the true damage that's happening to the Enterprise. So it doesn't seem like the Enterprise is in any good shape to fight. As it turns out, the Enterprise is on the other side of the planet. They just need a little bit of time. Kirk is, gets to check out what the Genesis cave looks like. Um, so he sees like pretty how remarkable it is that they're able to do all that in a day because it's pretty much it looks like freaking Jurassic Park. Yeah, he sees a pretty amazing matte painting and like one spot of red <laughs> they put in front of it. <laughs> exactly right. Uh, and so, yeah, so they end up getting they get beamed again, off. An, yeah, they get beamed off. Another instance where it looks like it's a no-win scenario, and Kirk. Once again, finds his way out. way out of it. Yeah, He doesn't believe in no-win scenarios, guys. That's right. I don't like to lose, yeah. as he likes to say. And then they go on the hunt yeah. for uh, for uh, for the Reliant. That's right. And to even the odds, they go into this nebula that's nearby. And it just kind of becomes this kind of cat-and-mouse chase game. Um, you know, because of the nebula, they can't use their sensors, really. They're just kind of both going in blind for when they're going to try and attack one another. And you just kind of, yeah, you have this second face off that, that happens once again. Yeah. And it's very, it's very nautical. I mean, it's like, it's like a submarine battle almost. Um, very, this is the part that reminded me a lot of hunt for October where it's just two ships kind of blindly following finding their way in this nebula, trying to hunt each other down and whoever finds the other one first is going to be the winner. And yeah. um, fortunately, it's the Enterprise in this case. Yeah, because Spock is kind of watching the patterns of Khan. And again, like Khan is is a brilliant guy because he's been genetically engineered that way, but he also is of his time. So Spock brings up like, you know, Khan is thinking two-dimensionally. We're in outer space. So the key hit against the Reliant 
is essentially that the enterprise is underneath the Reliant. And then as soon as the Reliant passes by, they kind of swoop upwards so that they're right behind the Reliant. And then they attack it to the point that it's, it's pretty much destroyed. Yeah, it's dead in the water. Yeah. And so Khan's entire crew at this point is completely destroyed. And, you know, he's about to talk surrender, but he's got no, you know, he's he got doesn't no want to lose. So he just yeah, sets he, the self-destruct. Yeah. Well, he doesn't set the self-destruct. He sets up Genesis. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He sets Genesis as a, yeah. Yeah. And so he, he famously, you know, quotes a Moby Dick to the last grapple with thee from hell. It's heart. I stab at thee. And he, I have a question about so that so it blows up. Yeah. Oh my like, god! If you have a question about Moby Dick, no, no, no. <laughs> does it up. does it form the planet or how does it work? Because normally you have to detonate Genesis on a planet and then it terraforms the planet. So I originally thought that too, but upon rewatching it, they do mention in, in like that video where they explain Genesis. It actually just has to be some sort of matter in space oh and so the nebula itself so the nebula is enough apparently to to make it into a planet because okay. i also was thinking the same thing i'm like well, wait a minute there was no planet there it was just a nebula but from re-watching it you know for the podcast they did mention that it didn't have to be necessarily like a moon or a planet it could be just just matter in matter. space okay and that's what yeah. the nebula would be all right well that's fine that makes more sense now yeah. And so because of the damage that the Enterprise has had, they're trying to escape because, you know, their sensors do mention that, you know, the Genesis they gotta get phenomenon out of range. is happening. Yeah. So they got to get out of range, but the ship, you know, the warp, can't get warp speed. Yep. Yep. So that's where Spock, you know, has his, has his moment of glory. So Spock goes down to engineering, you know, he's like, you know, what do we got to do? You know, he knows he's got to go into the radiation chamber and do something to fix, yeah, you know, the warp the core is, the warp core is yeah. misaligned. So what he has to do is he has to go in, go in there and manually, they they don't have time to shut down the warp core and vent the radiation. So someone's just basically got to go in there with the radiation, realign the core manually, and then seal it back up. Um, yeah. And he knows hurt, it's a death sentence. He can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, Scott's hurt. He knows he can't, you know, he can't do it. McCoy, you know, Bones tries to stop him that you're going to die if you go in there, which then, you know, Spock tricks him. He's like, all right, I guess you're right. He Vulcan neck pinches McCoy, does a little mind meld, remember, which becomes big for the rest of the movies. And yeah, he goes in there and repairs the warp core, fixes it. The Enterprise escapes. Everyone is all happy and glad until they realize, oh, Spock isn't on the bridge. Kirk runs down there and there's his friend in that chamber dying from the radiation. Yep. And they right? can't go in because the radiation, they're not, they don't, again, don't have time to vent the radiation. Yeah. So apparently, and this is the most famous scene in the movie, I would say probably the most famous scene in the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, yeah, for the most part, I'd say so. I mean, right? either that or the con scene. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, what ends up happening 
is, well, what I found out is they originally were going to have um, McCoy say he's dead, Jim, which is very famous from the TV show, The yep. Line. But they realized that that is probably a little bit too campy for the scene. Like, the scene is dark and sad and all that kind of stuff. So uh, Scott actually says he's dead already. And so, you know, they have this conversation. They're right next to each other with just the glass in between. And that's where Spock says it one last time. You know, I am and always will and shall be your friend. And live long and prosper and he dies. Yep. Spock is, Spock is dead. And now, L- Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, LPJ, did you catch this? That's how the movie originally ended. With, uh, oh, without the funeral scene at the end? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the movie was just going to end with Spock's death. Yeah, and they added the funeral scene in afterward. Yeah, because they had some uh, test screenings, and people were so upset. They're like, how in the hell do you end this movie like this? This is so sad. And so they realized, all right, we screwed up. And they decided, yeah, to do the whole funeral scene and... You know, there are always possibilities. He's not really dead as long as we can remember him and all that kind of campiness gets put in there. So, And then, the, of course, the last scene is his coffin on uh, on the new Genesis planet, and then he does the voiceover at the end. Yep. And then it's done. That's it. But I guess Kirk also says, which is a great line, he says, of all the people I knew in all my travels, he was the most human. And, you know, get for, you know, for William Shatner being one of the most criticized people for his acting skills, I feel like he nails that scene pretty darn good. Yeah, I thought he was great. I I have no issues with him. Yeah, it's very teary-eyed, right? I mean, he definitely does things over the top, but I feel like he did a great job. So that's Wrath of Khan. Uh, I would say it's widely considered the best of the Star Trek films. Um, Absolutely. You know, I, I like four a lot, too. Um, rewatching for today, actually, I always found it super cheesy. I actually loved it. Yeah, four's great. Yeah, I really liked it. Mm, yeah, and there, there are parts <laughs> that are Fort's certainly great. cheesy, but yeah, no, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, yeah. so Joe, what did you think of this film? Uh, do you want me to? Am I rating it or am I just talking about it? Uh, I mean, is there anything else? Well, is there anything else we want to bring up? I mean, I don't, I mean, like you guys did a good job covering it. I mean, like I said, it's just not, I don't know. It's not my area of expertise. So I don't really have a lot of, um, I don't know. I guess I don't really have a really, even after watching it now, I just, I don't have a very strong opinion either way on it, I guess. You know what I'm saying? Like it didn't convince me watching this didn't make me like, be like, Oh, I got to get really into star Trek, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just, it still just didn't, I don't know. It didn't really do too much for me. And I, I don't know. I mean, maybe not in a bad way, but I just, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. It's still like a weird, like vacuum of thing where it's like, I don't know if I just like, it's been too long with me not being into this because I watched it and I was like, okay, I've seen it. And, but it didn't like be like, Oh, I got to get into this more. Or I want to, you know, Oh, I got to watch part three. Now I've seen part three before I've seen part four. But I wasn't like, I was like, oh, I got to watch it again. So I don't know. It's kind of weird. Yeah, I guess. And that's one of those things where I, I don't, I think this is just one of those movies that hits at the right time. You know, it's not, I can't imagine Ash sitting down and watching it and being super into it. Um, my son, I mean. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this Star Trek just hit me at the right time. 
is really why I feel so attached to it. Yeah, because like the thing for me is like, <laughs> yeah, it's like you were like, well, the beginning of it is slow. I can I mean, I honestly kind of thought the whole thing was slow. Okay. I mean, even even the second half of it that was supposedly the more action heavy part, I, I still felt everything was moving slow. Yeah. No, that's fair. And I and Kirk fights and this is gonna this is gonna double break Sphinx's heart, but when they show Kirk fighting, it's like old man James Bond fighting. Oh, it totally is. It's oh. old man Roger Moore fighting. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is. So, but like I said, I don't have any kind of history or any kind of attachment to it, so I definitely think that that kind of colored my viewing of it 100. percent And and I would I would agree with you, and I think that's always the thing with Star Trek is Star Trek is not that action packed. It's a lot more. I don't know if intellectual is the right thing I'm trying to say. I don't know. They they go about different means, and maybe it's just more drama intense. Um, and what they try to do, uh, cause I would agree, like it's, you know, watching two spaceships kind of slowly shoot at each other. Yeah. And that's the thing too. It's like, I, when I, you, I, yeah. When you compare I, it to star Wars and tie fighters and X wings going fast on your screen, this does not compare it to that at all. Yeah. And it, and it's like, I get what you're saying that they're going for like a naval battle thing. And that makes sense. But man, watching it on the screen, I was like, oh, <laughs> so slow. They're spaceships. They're like barely moving. I don't know. Yep. No, like you're I not said, wrong. Again, I agree with you. And again, that that's uh, I mean, and Sphinx is right. That's 100 percent colored by my, you know, my star, my Star Wars view, because those things are zipping all around. And these are like, <laughs> Like someone's pushing them or something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, I, it makes a little more sense to me now, like that they were going for that kind of naval battle, like kind of vibe. So it makes sense a little more to me now. But when I was watching it, I was like, holy crow, these things are slow. And it was just like, <laughs> and even like when they would fire, like they're like everything, even they're like, the torpedo seems slow and yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I, it's, it, I think it's like, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, like you said, I didn't, it didn't hit me at the right time. I didn't get into it when I was at a certain age. So now I watch it and I just, it doesn't mean anything to me. You know, it doesn't have any extra meaning. Yeah, no, I get it. Totally get it. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, let's, I guess let's go ahead and rate it. You want to go ahead and rate it? Well, I, I just had two more things very, very quickly. Okay. And that was that this is Christy Alley's very first film, if that matters to anybody. Yep. Um, and then the scene where they go over Project Genesis and what it is, that is actually oh, the right. very first complete computer-generated sequence ever in a movie. Yep. So where they show um, just the model of the planet creating itself. Yep. That's the first time ever that that was ever done. That's right. I forgot about that. So... Look at that. Star Trek being a pioneer. There we go. <laughs> All right. Well, go ahead, Joe. Go ahead and uh, we'll just rate it. You can go to go, go first. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I think I kind of covered a lot of my feelings. And like I said, I, I can't say that I thought it was a bad movie. I mean, I didn't have a bad time watching it. I just, uh, in the back of my mind, I just kept, you know, like I said, I just found it to be kind of slow. And I was like, wow. I was like, this is like widely considered to be like the best Star Trek movie. And I was like, Yikes. <laughs> I was like, what are the other ones like if this is the best one? And like I said, it's not a bad movie. I didn't have a bad time watching it. It just didn't really 
I don't know. It didn't hit me. It didn't. I don't have any kind of nostalgia for it. So obviously that colored it, but I, I, I still can recognize that it's, you know, that there's a lot of cool stuff. And I did like uh, Ricardo Montalban. Mont- Montalban. Man, I've been like having like a real like Sphinx complex with pronouncing names lately. <laughs> um, but I think I think I'll go with three machine guns for it because it's kind of right in the middle for me. Like I said, I, I definitely wouldn't say it's a bad movie, but I just don't think it was something that it was really for me. Okay. I can go next. Sure. I mean, I I thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, there is a lot of nostalgia there. I've seen this movie a ton, um, especially when I was a kid as well. It just, I don't know, it's like LPJ has said, that, you know, these movies, the TV shows, they hit me at a right time that I still even enjoy them to this day. Obviously, you know, there is people that love Star Trek and people that do not like Star Trek. Uh, and so, you know, I'm on the camp that does like it. And I just feel like, you know, there's a lot of good storytelling here. I love how it's, you know, the Genesis project is entertaining in my opinion. I think the fight for revenge is great. I think that for star Trek, you know, I think the acting is pretty well done. Um, but there are definite flaws. Um, so I'm going to give it, I'll give it four machine guns. Yeah, Sphinx, I'm right with you. I mean, and it's my, and I'm definitely colored by nostalgia. Um, this is a film series that I enjoy a lot, and it is one that I've seen a lot. Uh, it was, you know, it was one of those movies that I would, if I if I was just sitting around and I wanted to watch a movie, nine times out of ten, I would grab like something like I would grab a Star Trek movie, or I'd grab like Raiders of the Lost Ark, or I'd grab Star Wars. You know, it, it'd be in that mix of movies for me. Yeah. Um, and this is usually the one that I would grab of the Star Trek movies. Uh, yeah. And, and I just, I just enjoy this film a lot, but I'm right with you with, with a four. Um, and I'm giving it a four, not because I think the movie deserves a four, but I think I enjoy it at a four level. Um, I think it's probably closer to what Joe says in a three realistically, but personally for me, this is a four. Yeah. No, I totally agree. When's the last time you've seen Search for Spock? Search for Spock? I watched it yeah. right at literally within hours of watching this movie. Okay. I found it to be terrible. Search for Spock? <laughs> yes. Rewatching it, I was like, I am not enjoying this. I liked it, it a lot. I felt like there was a lot of issues. I liked it a lot better this time around than the last oh, time I, I watched not. it. Like okay. watching it back to back. You know, I, I like it. It almost made me watch four, but I had, I had just watched four, you know, two months ago when it was. On I TV. remember I, out of all these, I remember seeing probably four the most. And I remember liking four the most. Like, I know yeah. I've seen three and I don't really remember much about it, but I remember four. Like, I remember liking four a lot and I've probably seen that multiple times. And I feel like I've seen five and six once and I did not enjoy them at all. I think we saw five I want to say we saw the six in the theaters. Maybe I don't know. I feel like one they're looking for God or something like that's that. Or... That's the fifth one, and that okay. is that's been told. That's been thought of as one of the worst movies ever made. Yeah, that was not, <laughs> that was not great. Yeah, um, five is bad. Uh, but uh, where like let me just ask you guys this, just out of curiosity, before we completely wrap up. So like, if you're taking the not the TV series, but you're taking the film series, so like the original movie film series the next generation movies and like the, the remakes or the whatever reimagining, like how would you guys rank them? Like 
out of those just the films like what just kind of series you, yeah like the original cast series the next generation movies or the the reboot like which ones do you think does the movies the best if that makes sense, I'm um, no, asking. I, I you're saying. Which one has better movies as a whole? I think as standalone films that are the most accessible, it's probably the reboots. Okay. Um, yeah, I would actually agree. But as far Very as well like films that I enjoy the most, I would say the original series because the next generation ones are very hit or miss, especially the last one. Nemesis is not great. Um, but <laughs> There's a lot of really good story arcs in the films that pick up from where the series left off. So, mm-hmm. there, for example, there's a lot of stuff like in Next Generation. There's a lot of stuff with Data kind of becoming more human that was explored on within the last like five seasons of the series that they picked up that thread and wove it throughout all the movies. And he has yeah. a really good story arc throughout the rest of the films. Um, and I enjoy that a lot with. Mm-hmm. The next generation films, but as a whole, I don't know that they're as good as like the original films. Got it. Because I, I mean, I've yeah. seen all the uh, the reboots, and I, I actually really enjoy those. <laughs> yeah, I think the reboots are definitely the most accessible, and I think the way they did it was smart. Like, I think they did. I think they did it the right way. Yeah, the reboots got away the slow ship moving. Yeah, yeah. Our yeah. Joe likes so much. <laughs> Yeah, a lot true. more action packed, a lot more. Yeah, it's they're they're great. I love the new movies, and I would agree with LPJ. I would say the original cast with these original movies has a slight edge over the next generation ones because yeah, two of the next generation movies are god awful. Two of them I think are fantastic. The yeah. first two, first two I think I've but I think I've only ever seen the one that has Kirk in it. What is that? Generation? Generations, yeah. Yeah, that's I, the first one. I've seen that one. I, I, I've never seen any of the other ones. Wait, Generations is the first one? Yeah, then First Contact. Oh, then First Contact. I always get those mixed up. I always make the, get those backward. Yeah, which I think First Contact might be the best movie. I don't know. It's I haven't seen I, it in I, a I long first, time. I think First Contact's a fabulous movie. I but, haven't seen know. it in a while. And then Nemesis is not good. No, Nemesis is not great, unfortunately. No. And then what was? Uh, and then there's Insurrection. Insurrection. Which is That's what the Borg. Too. Yeah, that one's not. No, first contacts with the Borg. What's Insurrection then? Where you? Insurrection. I can't even remember. To be, it's like it's it's just like uh, they're just like on a planet the whole time. That's <laughs> next, what I remember. Next week on the Last Action Podcast, Star Trek Insurrection. It's, it's not like. It's not like space related. It's just about like affairs of like government on some planet that they visit. It's bizarre. Oh, all right. Hmm. Well, I guess I'm not going to watch that anytime soon. <laughs> it's currently free. I just saw it on, what is it, that Tibby or Pluto or whatever? Tubi. Tubi? Tubi, is that it? Yeah. Well, Tubi and Pluto are both things, but they're different things. So. Well, I th- it's on both because oh. I was looking at both of them to find the Star Trek movies because I think I'm going to just roll through all these Star Trek movies this summer. <laughs> You're just not committed <laughs> now? You might as well at this point. Yeah. You're invested. Yeah. That's right. And so I think I'm going to check out Insurrection because I saw it was free. But unfortunately, I don't own any of these old movies. I only have the new ones, the new trilogies I own. I don't own anything else. Yeah, me either. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. anyway, I'd say we hit this thing pretty good. Yeah, I think so. I'd be curious with those that follow us either on the Discord or social media if uh, if Star Trek was a 
was a good movie to talk about on the podcast. Again, it's one that LPJ and I have talked about for a long time, but you know, the level of action movie. And if there are any other Trekkies out there that want to have the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. I'm uh, glad that we, I'm glad that we did this only if I can use it as leverage to try it, try and uh, twist LBJ's arm to let us do a Star Wars movie. <laughs> hey, I'm on board for it. I, he thinks it's going to be just too much, which it could be a lot of work, but it's anyway. not so much. that it's a lot of work. My, my take on it is it's been done to death. What are we going to do that's any better than what anybody else has already done? Yeah, we're going to start with episode one. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm out. No thanks. No. Nope. Uh, All right. Anyways, I can't do yeah, this. but I, I, it was, it was I, a lot I think of our uh, fans would be interested to hear our perspectives of the Star Wars movies. I think that's what we have going for us. Yeah, yeah you're right. If they're into ASMR podcasts, we're going to vomit all over the microphones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say, though, uh, this is a lot of fun for me. I, it's probably one of my more quieter entries, but it was interesting just to hear you guys. I It, it always fascinates me that you guys are like such big Star Trek heads and like uh, or Trekkies, if you will. So uh, it's just it was just fascinating to hear you guys kind of get in this and, and talk about it in your experiences. So, uh, well, you know, this isn't even we, we spent a lot of time talking plot like we didn't even talk about Star Trek as a whole. Like, well, that. That's, that's where we, true. we would really like if we do a we might was what we might need to do a Patreon episode where we just nerd out on Star Trek. Yeah, and I you I know what? That. I might not need to be on that one. <laughs> no. Maybe as a Patreon too, we release our little off the cuff uh I'd be curious to go back and listen to that. I don't even know where it is right now. Yeah, I don't know either. I'll have to go I, I think it's in the I think it's in our G drive. I'll have to go in and kind of see. Well, well, anyways, I, it, it was fun listening to you guys kind of get into this, and uh, it's from a Star Trek outsider to kind of listen to you guys and all your thoughts on it. So it was, uh, and like I said, it wasn't a bad watch. So you know, it, it, it was overall a good experience. All right, well, cool. Would you recommend it? <laughs> That's hard. I don't think. See, here's the thing: if someone was kind of like. I'll answer it this way. If someone is like, hey, I think I kind of want to watch a Star Trek movie, I'd be like, oh, yeah, watch that one. They're, if they were like, hey, I, I I saw the reboots. I don't want to watch those. I would be like, yeah, definitely watch that one. But I don't know if someone is just like, I don't know if I just pull somebody and be like, hey, you know what? You got to watch Wrath of Khan. You know, like, I, I, I don't think unless I had the context of them like, hey, I want to watch a Star Trek movie, I would recommend it. But I don't know if I would just recommend it as a movie. <laughs> I get that's how I'll phrase it. No, that's fair. Yeah, that's totally fair. I'd probably be the same way. Yeah. Be like, listen, you gotta watch this movie. It's Star Trek Two. And it's a sequel. Oh, it's a sequel to the first movie? No. It's a sequel <laughs> to an episode of the TV show that was on. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, when you put it like that, it does seem a little out there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so it's like a direct is can I ask you that? Like last question, is this like a, like directly connected to the first movie at all or are they just completely Nope. There's not a single thing that connects it. No. The first movie is really the only one that's completely ostracized from the rest. Like even even five and six have some threads from the previous yeah. mm-hmm. ones, but one is like it's its own thing. That's interesting. I, I figure there was something wrong with it that you guys were like, Well, we're not gonna start with the first one. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and it's not. It's just. It's not. It's not that it's bad. It's just. It's a different thing. It's just not even. Sphinx is right. It's like a big episode. 
Based on my feelings on this one, how do you think I would have done with the uh, the original? Man, the first oh, one, the first one, you've been like, "What the fuck did I just watch?" <laughs> yeah, you like there's a been. there's a bald lady. They're talking about <laughs> Voyager. There's like, and it's so fucking slow. Why is everything move so goddamn slow? slow. There's some trippy colors going on. I don't know what the hell is happening. <laughs> when when did the when did Star Trek the motion picture come out? Seventy nine. Okay. Okay. There's yeah. a scene in the first one where a torpedo shoots at a ship and it takes the ship like 15 seconds to disappear. <laughs> like that's how long the torpedo is slowly taking out the ship. Yeah, it's, it's a mess. There's yeah. a, there's well, a lot won't... wrong with it. Well, it won't make my watch list then. <laughs> no, I mean, you may want to watch it just because it's ridiculous, but yeah, you're not going to enjoy it. It'll be like you. It'll be like Sphinx watching Spawn. I was like, I was like, I don't need to watch that for something ridiculous. I own Spawn now. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that movie. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. Yep. <laughs> we're we're almost at Spawn length at this point. <laughs> <laughs> the movie or the podcast about both. The movie? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are the Last Action Podcast, coming to you every single Monday. Uh, we're a part of the Gamezilla Media Network. Yeah, just has... check us out on there. Check out the rest of the stuff on there, too. It's about <laughs> it's late. All right, I'm being called out. Yeah, go check us out, gamezillamedia.com. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh... so late. Uh, all right, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. Ah!